had the privilege of uh, traveling all over the world um, for the church and for our college, and there is no place like home. I'm grateful to God that uh, I live in this nation, a nation of freedom, a nation where I can proclaim Jesus freely and not worry about that. We can gather together in his name with no fear. I'm grateful for a nation that allows us to live our lives with freedom to be the men and women God has called us to be. I believe in peace, but the Bible says that there is a time for war. And there are many that have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom and for freedom around the world. And I want to honor uh, those men and women that have given their life today with just a moment of silence. They gave the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me and for many. And... uh, they truly need to be and deserve to be honored. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads in a moment of silence. Jesus, we know that freedom isn't free. Jesus, you paid the ultimate price for our freedom on the cross. And for that, we will be forever grateful. Lord, we now think about those that have given their life for freedom both here and abroad. And God, we honor them We pray that you would comfort families who grieve this morning. For moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas that lost a son. For one who lost a spouse. For children who lost a parent. Lord, bring comfort and peace in the midst of their grief. May they know that they served with honor, and Lord, that they are heroes. Today, Lord, we're grateful not just for the freedom we have in you, but the freedom we have in our nation, to speak your name, to read your word, to gather together in open and public places like this this morning, as brothers and sisters in Christ, with no fear, that we are free to live the lives you called us to live. And so, Lord, today we're grateful for that freedom, and we honor those who paid the ultimate price for that freedom. And God, we remember the freedom that we truly have in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. I'm going to read the scriptures this morning, and uh, we're just going to read one of the scriptures, John chapter 5, our gospel reading. All the readings are in your bulletin along with the questions for this week, and I'm going to ask you also uh, to take out your bulletin, because on the back of your bulletin, it's blank, a place to take notes. I'm going to give you three things to write down 
today, and I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to John chapter 5, John chapter 5, and we're going to look at uh, John chapter 5, 1 through 9 together, and I'd like you to keep your Bibles open if you have them with you, Um, but I'm going to ask you to turn your attention toward the screen because the... um, the scriptures I'm reading from, I'm going to read from the, the New Passion Translation. And so you may not have that in front of you. Um, so uh, just listen along as we read God's Word together. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Then Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool called, in Aramaic, the House of Loving Kindness, or literally, Mercy. And this pool is surrounded by five covered porches. Hundreds of sick people were lying there on on the porches. The paralyzed, the blind, and the crippled, all of them waiting for their healing. For an angel of God would periodically descend into the pool, stir the waters, and the first one who stepped into the pool after the water swirled would instantly be healed. Now there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years, lying among the multitude of the sick. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that this man had been crippled for a long time. So Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, there's no way I can get healed, for I have no one who will lower me into the water when the angel comes. And as soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and you will walk. Immediately, he stood up, and he was healed. So he rolled up his mat and walked again. Now this miracle took place on the Jewish Sabbath. Jesus encounters this man at Bethesda. Bethesda literally means house of mercy. You can go and you can see this place in Israel if you travel with us, and you can see where the five covered porches were, and there's this pool that's there, and and so you can visit this place, and and Jesus goes to this place to visit a man who doesn't know who Jesus is, but Jesus knows who this man is. He's living at a place called the House of Mercy, and the House of Mercy, this place is actually a type of the church. We should be the House of Mercy, right? I mean, we are Jesus' people. We follow Jesus, we gather together in his name, and Jesus said in John three seventeen, God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be the savior and rescue it. We are the house of mercy. And so Jesus meets this nameless man who didn't know who Jesus was, and this guy's been sick for a long time. 38 years to be exact, and that's actually longer than the average lifespan back then. A lot of times we think of Jesus dying in his mid-30s, and we think, boy, that's really young to die, but not in Jesus' day. Jesus was a full-grown man when he died. He had lived a, a long life in that time period, and this guy's been sick longer than most people have ever been alive. So he's used to that. He's been miserable all this time. And this pool is by the sheep gate, and that's where they brought the sheep in. Have you ever smelled a farm when you drove by? And then you have hundreds of sick and lame all together in this place. I mean, this is 
a stinky place. He's surrounded by hurting people. Here's this guy that's full of misery. And when you read this story, you realize this guy has lost all his hope. This guy does not have an ounce of hope left. He has been let down. His friends have abandoned him. He has no hope of ever recovering. This guy's trapped in every sense of the word. Trapped in this situation, there's no way out, and that's where Jesus comes in. Let me tell you that Jesus loves these kind of situations. He loves showing up when you're hopeless. Jesus shows up when you're hurting, when you're broken, when you're sick, when you're weak. That's when Jesus shows up. And so Jesus shows up in this guy's life when all hope is gone. You know what the number one emotion Jesus has, according to the Gospels, when you read through the Gospels, the number one emotion Jesus has, the number one emotion is compassion. So if he sees someone without hope, if he sees someone sick, if he sees someone weak, if he sees that person hurting, his compassion is triggered because over and over again, it said Jesus saw them and he had compassion on them, so he healed them. That's how Jesus works, and so Jesus comes to this guy, and he asks him the big question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? After 38 years of misery, trapped in this situation, he asks him the big question, do you want to be healed? And notice that the man didn't say yes. He didn't say yes. In fact, he said, there's no way I can be healed. And before we get too hard on this guy, because you think about it, I mean, Jesus, God, is standing right in front of this guy. Hey, do you want to be healed? Ah, no. You know, um, before we get too hard on him, I think God asks us that question a lot, too. And we respond the same way. Why don't we say yes? give you three things from this story. Why don't we say yes? Number one, excuses. Excuses. Don't you hate it when people make excuses? When your kids make excuses? I hate it when people make excuses and yet I make excuses all the time. So it's like, that's just a human thing. These are actual accident reports. These are, the, these are the excuses that were given for the accident. So these are on file in the report uh, of people that, that are explaining or excusing away the accident. So the first one is, an invisible car suddenly hit my car and then vanished again. Wow, wow that's, that's impressive. The telephone pole was approaching my car really fast. I attempted to swerve, but the stupid pole collided with my car. This one's my favorite. I don't know who was to blame for the accident. I wasn't looking. <laughs> there you go, right? I had been dri- I've been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. That's a long time, isn't it? No, just... The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve again and again until I hit him. <laughs> Excuses. We hate when someone gives us an excuse, yet we all make excuses. The number one excuse, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. 
It's the number one excuse. That one goes back pretty far to the garden, right? It's not my fault. It's their fault. It's, and, and we keep doing it. I mean, that's what the enemy keeps using in our life. It's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. It's not my fault this is going on. And, or how about this one? You just don't understand. You just don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand my life. Or, or how about this one? It, it just won't work for me. It just doesn't work for me. It may work for other people. It doesn't work for me. So we have all these excuses. And here's Jesus in front of this man saying, do you want to be healed? And I believe God's in front of us saying, do you want to be healed? And we make every excuse. We believe that God heals marriages, but he's not going to heal mine. We believe what the Bible says about giving, but I've done the, the spreadsheet and it won't work for me. I believe that the Bible says, we talked about last week, to love everyone like he loved them, but you don't know the people in my life. I know there's promises in the Bible that are true, and, and I believe God's word. I really believe it. I really believe it's true, but it doesn't work for me. Like, we're the exception. Like, the power of God is all-powerful, and we see him doing miracles, and we see him helping other people, but he can't help me. It doesn't work for me. And I want to tell you today that there are no exceptions to the power of God. You are not an exception to power of God. It's not too hard for God. It's too hard for you. Let's just admit that. Yes, it's too hard for you, but it's not too hard for God. What he says in his word is true, so hold on to that. No excuses. Jesus doesn't like excuses. In fact, when, when people would give him excuses, like, hey, he said, come follow me. Well, Jesus, can you wait till I do this? Or this? No. I will not wait. Follow me right now. Something in this story I'd never seen before until this week is, is, is if you look at this story again, and, and in the Passion Translation, here's this guy. Do you want to be made well? Well, I can't be made well. You know, I, I, I can't get in the pool, and my friends won't help me, and when I try to get in, and somebody jumps in front of me, and Jesus just, stop. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. It's as though Jesus is like, he just, like, interrupts all the excuses. Jesus, it won't work because of this or this. Stop. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. I think Jesus, he, he, we don't like excuses. Jesus doesn't like our excuses. We've got to stop making our excuses. The Bible says that this man had an infirmity, and in the Greek that literally means a weakness, so we don't know what that weakness is. We assume it's weakness in his legs because he can't walk or stand, so he has this weakness. And so my question for you today is, what is your weakness? What's your weakness? What's your specific weakness? Now, you may say, I don't, I don't know what my weakness is. Okay, I'd like you to now turn to your spouse and ask. This uh, Tuesday we'll be married 25 years, and so Leslie knows 25 years of weakness, and, and she could share that with me. Well, I don't have a spouse. Ask your kids, ask your, ask your coworkers, ask your friends. Somebody will tell you what your weakness is if you really want to know, but, but we, deep down we know what our weakness is. So, so, okay, so we got our weakness. What is your weakness? What is your weakness? Now the question, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? 
God is standing in front of you and you know what your weakness is. Do you want to be made well? A lot of times our, excuse, our, our weaknesses are just excuses in our life. Well, you know, it's a, I can't because of this or that or the other thing. And our weaknesses almost become so comfortable in our life and they just become our excuses. Well, I'm just this way or this is just how God made me or whatever. And it's like, no. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to work on that? God's asking, do you want me to work on that in you? Which leads us to the second thing. We, we, we sometimes we, we don't say yes because of effort. Jesus didn't say to this guy, be healed. He said, get up. Pick up your mat. Walk. There, there had to be that action of faith. It's time for you to get up. After 38 years, this man's problem has become a way of life. So often our weaknesses, our problems just become a way of life, and we can just live with them and live with them and live with them, and we get so comfortable with that weakness that we're just like, well, that's just, that's just me. This guy got comfortable in his weakness in the house of mercy. Let me tell you this, sometimes we get comfortable with our weakness even in church. We get comfortable coming to our small group week after week with the same prayer requests and the same thing. Oh yeah, this and this and this and this. And, and nothing changes. There's no effort put in. There, there's nothing that happens. So we just live in our weakness and our weakness. And we get so comfortable with it, it just becomes a way of life. And so we're full of excuses, living in our weakness. And like, yeah, that's just the way it is. And God is saying, don't you want to be healed? Don't you want to be made whole? Are you willing to get up and pick up your mat and walk? I am, I am extremely proud of all three of my sons. I'm so excited that Luke is getting married next week. I'm, I'm super proud of, of Mark, who's running the camera in the back. But this week, my favorite that I'm... No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just having fun. That's, that's a family joke. Because yeah, I just, I wake up every morning and say, who wants to be my favorite today? <laughs> it works. It just works. No, I'm just, bad parenting. Don't do that. But uh, that's, it's, a, it's a running joke in our life, in our, our house. But I'm super proud of that guy right there, Matthew. And, uh, and let me tell you why I'm proud of him. Because the last few days, uh, we've been downstate uh, at the state finals for track, and he uh, he made it to state. It was his goal from freshman year uh, to run in the finals in state. And we got a picture of him. This is his qualifying picture for state. Uh, pictures I had from state. I was too high in the stands to, to get a good picture. But, but uh, Matthew worked really hard for this. And not just for four years to get better and better and better, but, but this year especially. And, and some of you know the story, some of you don't, but, but this was his goal after basketball was done. The, right, the day after basketball starts, track season starts, it's like, hey, Dad, I'm going to state this year. Yes, son. And then in his second-to-last game in sectionals, he broke his elbow. It was a hard foul. They pushed him to the ground, and, um, and he broke his elbow. And he still made the two free-throw shots, so I don't know how that happened. <laughs> God bless adrenaline or something was just still flowing, and and, uh, but uh, it was one of those things where the doctor says, okay, uh, now you're off for six weeks. It's like the next day training for, for track begins and it's like, okay, you can't do anything for six weeks. 
And it's, it's his senior year, he's finishing school well, so he's working hard at school, he was in the musical, he was doing all these different things, and, and working out behind her back, running behind her back, we didn't know all this, with this, you know, not wearing his sling, all the different things, you know, just so, just, you just, but, but he worked, and he worked, and he worked every night, not coming home till, till late, I mean, some of our dinners would be at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, because he's at school after school, working out, running, and... Uh, and I said, Matthew, you're talking to God, and this is what he said, I'm praying hard, and I'm working hard. And I thought, there's a sermon right there, pray hard, work hard. Pray hard, work hard. And, and, cause sometimes, and here's the thing, is like sometimes we talk about effort, and, and I'm not talking about salvation at all. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He did all the work. He said it is finished. We get to partake in that. Thank you, Jesus. But there are some things in our life that God wants to do that's going to require some effort on our part because he doesn't want us to stay the same. We're to be more like him, not more like us, more like him. And that's what I love about Matthew is he trained and he worked so hard. He put in the effort. He could have made excuses all day. Well, I broke my arm. I can't train. I got this going on. I got that going on. I, just, I guess that's a dream that won't be fulfilled. But he said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to pray hard. And I want to tell you, as a, as a dad, you know, you, you always worry about your kids, right? We've already talked about that in other messages. We, we worry about our kids. But when you, when you have a kid that works hard and prays hard, man, they're going to be all right. And I, I just noticed that about Matthew. He's going to do well in life. Pray hard, work hard. That's, that's what you do. And, and so as a dad, pride, that's my son. Like watching him run, just run around. I'm mean, just like, because I just watched him as, as he was running around. 800 meters, it's a half a mile, does it in two minutes. And so you just, you're like scary fast and you just watch him run around. And there's just so much pride inside knowing how hard he worked for four years, plus this, this year, especially for that moment. I was just like, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I think that, yeah, absolutely. He deserves it. He deserves it. But... And it's his birthday and everything else. So he's just hating every moment of this, I'm sure. Uh, but we're taking him out for his birthday after this. Uh, but um, I was a proud dad. Think about our Father in heaven when he sees you praying hard and working hard. Praying hard and working hard. Get, when, when God says something in his word, I want you to do this. Instead of making an excuse, okay, God, you say it in your word, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to pray hard. I'm going to do whatever you want. I'm following you, Jesus. It's all about you. The third thing, um, the third reason we don't say yes sometimes is our experience. It's our experience. When we say a prayer, we already know how God should answer it, right? <laughs> we figured it out for him. Okay, God, I'm praying this prayer. You could answer it this way. That'd be awesome. You know, we figured out how God should answer our prayers, and, and yet... He does things his way, in his time, in his plan. And, and so sometimes things go differently than we expected them to go. And this guy had to really change his thinking because his thinking was the old way of thinking. Okay, when the angel comes and stirs the water, then I get in the water, then I'll be healed. So I, that's how it has to be done. And that's, he could not think about any other way to be healed. It's like, okay, that's the old way. That's the way it's always been. So I'm gonna, that's how it's going to be. And Jesus says, it, it, it doesn't, it's not how it's going to be. 
you're going to get up. You're going to pick up your man. You're going to walk. You're not going to have to get in the pool. This is, this is going to be different. Sometimes we have to do things out of our comfort zone in order to see God move in our life. We've got to push ourselves maybe a little bit, and, 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 and we, just, we just have to be doing something different. This guy had to pick up his mat on a Sabbath. Now, if you keep reading the story, he gets in trouble for doing that. That's an illegal thing to do, to pick up your mat and, and walk on the Sabbath. And there's a lot of rules like that. Those aren't God's rules. Those are man's rules. But, but still, that was a rule that the Pharisees had, and you can't do that. If you go to Israel today, on the Sabbath, they have Shabbat elevators. You just go up one floor at a time because you can't press the button. Because pressing the button is work. Climbing five flights of stairs is at work, but pressing a button is work, apparently. I don't know, but it's just like, and, and Jesus is like, stop thinking that way. I, I want you to do what I ask you to do. I'm asking you to do something different, to step out of your comfort zone. And, and sometimes we just need to do that, and, and so we have to do, like, when, when we worship, it's like maybe... I've never lifted my hands before, but maybe that's the time to lift your hands. Time to close your eyes or bow your knee or come to the altar. Something just different, just like, okay, God, here I am. Maybe there's something in his word that he says about anything that we've talked about, any of the promises of God, anything. It's like, okay, God, you say this in your word. I'm just going to believe. I, I'm no, no more excuses. God, I'm going to believe what you say in your word. Even though I haven't experienced it in my life, I'm going to believe it and I'm going to walk in it. God is asking this man, do you want to be healed? And I believe that Jesus is standing in front of us and saying, do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? I'm going to encourage you to take a big step and, and do things that maybe you wouldn't normally do. Every week we, we tell you in, in your envelope, there's a place for prayer requests. And maybe you've never written down a prayer request because you're like, well, I know they get a lot of prayer requests and they pray for other people, but I, I don't really need it. Write something down. We'll buy more envelopes. It's not a big deal. Just write something down so we can pray for you. Maybe next time the altar's open and say, okay, you need prayer this morning? I don't want to go up. I don't want everybody to see me. Get up here. Nobody's looking at you anyway. They really don't care. We really we care what God thinks, not what man thinks. It's like maybe God's saying, do you want to be made well? No excuses. Put in the effort and listen to Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to ask and seek and knock. And he says, just keep doing it. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep that hope. Because Jesus is not mild with this guy. He gives him commands. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And I believe that Jesus is commanding us the same, to be obedient to his command, to stop making excuses and stop doing your own thing and get up, pick up your mat and walk. And here's the last thing I'm going to have you write down today is that obedience leads to wholeness. Obedience leads to wholeness. If you want to be made well, if you want to be healed, obey Jesus. Whatever he tells you, no excuses, no doing it your way, do it his way. Don't think about the old way God used to move, but think of the new way. So God is standing in front of you today asking, do you want to be healed?
healed? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be well? No excuse. There's no more excuses. Hold on to that hope and believe in God. Make that effort. Step out in faith and experience the new thing that God wants to do in your life. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? And we're going to worship the Lord in just a moment, singing every praise to our God. But I believe that worship creates an atmosphere of faith. And that when we worship God, He sees us. And remember Jesus' number one emotion? I believe it just triggers compassion inside of Him. I want to tell you, God loves you so much this morning. He is so compassionate this morning. He's so compassionate that He's just going to command you. He's going to tell you like it is. It's time to get up. It's time to stop making excuses. Time to stop saying, well, it won't work for me. It's time to say yes to God. To put in that effort and believe His Word and to experience Him in a new way. Not the old way that you used to experience Him, but in a new way in a fresh way, in a better way. He wants you to experience His compassion and His love for you no matter where you find yourself right now in this moment in your life. God has compassion for you. Don't run away from Him. Run to Him and obey Him. And that obedience will lead to wholeness in your life. Jesus, today we surrender to You and we are grateful for Your Word and Lord, forgive us for always making excuses. For getting so comfortable in our weakness that we just, we just live in it. Lord, forgive us for thinking your power isn't great enough for our situation. Today we say yes to your power, to your compassion, to your healing power in every area of our life. Pray this in Jesus' name.